so very very bad. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I'm using my tel I'm using my telco mobile now. Okay, that's fine. I'm connecting through my telco mobile because the network is. It's, 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 okay, I have. Okay, I have the same yeah. problem, and I'm not at a place where I have a generator, so <laughs> I could also be thrown off. Okay, no, that's not that another question. We also have, we all have the same problem, Chad. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Let's see how far we let's see how far we can go. Uh, we have the apologies uh, both from the DM because uh, she is in a flight, uh, and uh, she managed to 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 engage me. Uh, uh, I think all of us understand what is happening in case so she's traveling from from KZN, so probably she might get that recording in progress to, to join us. But uh, uh, I thought it was correct that I must register the apology. Are there any other apologies, Spella? Uh, yes, Chairperson. Uh, the apologies for uh, Honorable uh, Mama Rakan. She's attending uh, the SV on finance. And uh, Honorable uh, Apleni. He's attending, uh, they've got a by-election in his region. Okay. Uh, no, that, let's, let's, let's note those apologies and just also to uh, record the, the standing one of Honorable Lansman, uh, like this indicated, uh, he has not been well, uh, just released from the, from the IC, uh, but he is getting, he's getting there. Uh, let's then uh, uh, welcome all the honorable members and, uh, and the, the team from the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure uh, and uh, indicate that indeed uh, today's meeting is sketched towards uh, receiving the, the ATP. Uh, I, I want to suggest that given the challenges that we have around the around trading, let's only deal with the, with the ATP and the and then the rest will deal with them in the next meeting in terms of the uh, minutes. Uh, if, if, if colleagues agree with me on that. Uh, let's uh, hear who's heading the team from the from the department and then uh, hit the ground running. Before the department take over, I was given the name of uh, Mr. Mashango. So I can grant her the the the, 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 the present the presenting rights, and I don't see him. Yeah, so I was checking with the department. Uh, the other name. Okay. The department. Yes, Chairperson. Uh, good morning, uh, Mr. Maslango. I believe is having load shedding and uh, having difficulty joining. But we're all in the same team. Uh, I'm leading the team. It's MTR Sfeza. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. I'm just waiting for Mr. Maslangu to join. But we can't start in the meantime. Um, I will just keep uh, monitoring. I'll admit that uh, in DG, the floor is yours. Yes, Chairperson, thank you very much. If somebody can please beam the presentation. I'm not sure who, who's doing that. That's what I was requesting, Chair, so I can be given the name of the person that I can grant 
Austin Rice in the absence of Mr. Mashamba? Uh, Chairperson, it's uh, Adam Pumben. I should think I can assist in the meantime uh, while Mr. Matango is coming just to to fly the presentation from my side. Great, 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 Mr. Tombeni. The DJ can hit the ground running. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Chairperson and uh, members of the committee. Um, Chairperson will be presenting, of course, the annual performance plan of the department uh, for the year ahead, 2022-2023, to the committee. Uh, if we move to the next slide, Adam, we have uh, a range of acronyms here for uh, purpose of uh, assisting some of the readers to unpack some of the, the heavily loaded uh, acronyms that we use. So I won't uh, uh, dwell too much on that. If you can move forward beyond that, um, Adam. Uh, Chair, we have uh, and, and the background information which we'll present regarding the annual performance plan. And then we will go into the program performance information and then touch on some of the key risks confronting the department in the year ahead before we conclude with the budget information for 2022 2023. If you can move ahead, please, Adam. Yes, thank you very much. So, Chairperson, going into the conceptual background of the annual performance plan, our plan, of course, is linked to the National Development Plan, as well as the medium-term strategic framework and the seven priorities, uh, which is on the screen and which we are all familiar with. The APP is also linked and takes into account the economic recovery and reconstruction plan uh, of government uh, that was adopted in 2020 in response to uh, the sluggish economy and COVID-19 as well, as well as the National Annual Strategic Plan, which is a new construct introduced by the Department of Performance Monitoring and uh, Evaluation to align departmental plans to the medium-term strategic framework and is currently in a pilot phase as well as the 10 key initiatives and priorities of government, which I put onto the slide. And Chairperson, I'd like to, to just touch on these uh, priorities for a moment uh, and, and reflect on how the department is aligning to some of these priorities. So Chairperson, with respect to the slide ahead, the five priorities on the left-hand side are directly related to the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure. And I'd like to touch on them before we commence with the program information. With respect to massifying job creation and infrastructure, our EPWP program, the Expanded Public Works program, is our key job creation mechanism for the country. In addition to this and the role of our construction and maintenance projects, the department is optimizing in investment in infrastructure through Infrastructure South Africa which is a new entity that the department is birthing in an effort to improve the rate and quality of infrastructure investment and delivery. Further to that, Chairperson, we also have a number of strategic integrated projects that have been gazetted and which we are focusing on. And in, in so far as DPWI is concerned, some of those strategic projects include our small harbors development project. There's also a rural bridges project, which is called the, the Where the Seas Where Bridges Program, 
We are also very involved in the photovoltaic and water savings projects, as well as a comprehensive urgent management renewal program, as well as a project in the city center of Chwane that deals with the, the centralization of a government precinct called Selvacop. And then DPWI is also developing a pilot of what we call a refurbish and operate, uh, refurbish, operate and transfer program for the maintenance of government buildings. What we do is we look at government buildings which require uh, investment in refurbishment and we partner with the private sector to finance this. Moving on from there, and item number two, the structural reforms and ease of doing business. The department is driving a construction industry recovery plan that is aligned to the economic recovery and reconstruction plan, as well as the national infrastructure plan 2050. We are also um, uh, recognizing the need for the construction sector, a high, which is a high labor intensive industry to be able to deliver and stimulate economic growth and, and, and create jobs. And in that regard, we are driving the construction, construction sector stimulus. Um, in certain areas of our business, we've also prioritized to improve overall business performance and responsiveness. And we've introduced 10 key interventions uh, in order to improve performance in the department. And with respect to um, the ease of doing business, our PMT is developing systems to prioritize customer management and improve our offering to flying departments. With respect to leveraging public procurement, we are also strengthening local procurement uh, and the development of small to medium and micro enterprises uh, to contribute towards inclusive economic growth and job creation. And with respect to digitization, the department is currently migrating into an ERP system to digitize and to automate all of its business processes. And with respect to service delivery and the basic services, electrification, water and sanitation, we, of course, we deliver water and sanitation to all our user departments. And in an effort to reduce costs and the burden on local municipalities, as well as ESCOM, the department is involved in an intensive shared savings program, which seeks to reduce water and electricity demand of the state buildings, as well as reduce costs in this regard for the state. On the right, Jefferson, are some of the other priorities to which we contribute indirectly. And I'd like to mention that with, re with respect to reducing uh, violent crime, uh, DPWI is refurbishing vacant buildings to be used as shelters and also handing these to provincial social development departments and using government buildings to raise awareness about gender-based violence and femicide through ad advertising and signage messaging. So with respect to food security, uh, EPWP also plays a role with respect to food security and the social net with around 1 million work opportunities being created each year. And then finally, with respect to corruption, uh, the department has a comprehensive anti-corruption program and has recently been involved in the launch of the National Anti-Corruption Forum for the construction sector together with the SIU. So, Che, if I move beyond that, we, we have uh, indirect contributions there. If you move to the next slide, please, Adam. Yes, please go, go, go forward. So, Chair, these are some of the... Uh, the important uh, drivers of our mandate, the constitutional mandate. I'd just like to mention that in this regard, the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure or Public Works as a function is a concurrent mandate. So it's concurrent to national and provincial and local government. Um, and in this regard, we cooperate with each other through MINMAC structures. And then I move over to uh, some of the other areas of, of importance um, is uh, section 217 of the constitution 
We also have Section 195, which affects our uh, um, public administration in a, way, in a manner in which we, 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 we conduct our functions from an administrative point of view. Move forward, please, Adam, to the next slide. And then, Chairperson, with respect to some of the specific functions uh, of the department, the main pieces of legislation are on the slide. The Government Immovable and Asset Management Act is there to ensure that we have uniform management of uh, government's immovable assets to support service delivery. And this act applies to national government as well as provincial government. We also have the Infrastructure Development Act, which provides for the coordination of public infrastructure development, which is of significant eco economic and social importance. So these are your big ticket infrastructure projects. We also have the Land Affairs Board Act, which deals with valuations. Uh, where the department seeks to dispose or to lease uh, immovable assets. This Land Affairs Board is uh, responsible for conducting the valuations. And we have the Constructive Council for the Built Environment Act, which makes provision for the creation of the Council for the Built Environment, which essentially conducts oversight over the six professional uh, environmental councils, which I will talk about in a moment. We have the CIDB uh, Act, which provides for the establishment of the Construction Industry Development Board. And the CIDP is responsible mainly for the transformation as well as regulation of the construction industry. Then this Professional Council Acts, which regulate the six world environment professions. And these fall under the, the, CID, the, the CBE, the Council for the Built Environment, which provides the oversight. And of course, we have the Expropriation Act, which determines the basis for compensation in respect to, to expropriation. And, and of course, we have uh, uh, legislation uh, currently in the system to replace uh, the Expropriation Act of 1975. And finally, also the State Land Disposal Act, which provides for the, the means and the rules that we need to follow with respect to the disposal of state property. If you move forward, please, uh, Mr. Uh, Adam Dombeni. So this, this is our bread and butter, Chairperson. I won't dwell on vision, emission, and the other values. Um, if you move forward, please, uh, Adam. So, Chairperson, um, here we have the external and the internal environments, which I'd like to, to conclude on before we move uh, any further, that with respect to um, the, the external environment, the global and the local economic uh, overview, you know, as we are aware, the, um, the fiscal matrix is, is very strained. And even before the COVID pandemic, the economy was in a state of low growth with the GDP growth declining since 2008. And uh, we've had sharp negative growth uh, being observed during the COVID period. And we're only beginning to recover somewhat. So as a result, we've had to urgently divert funding uh, from a number of areas, in fact, on a on a macro level, a lot of funding has been diverted to healthcare and other priorities of government associated with COVID. And, and as a consequence, the department has also been strained in terms of uh, uh, cutting its budgets and, 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 and cutting its plot accordingly. So overcoming the pandemic has largely been a success for, for us, and, uh, but it has come with an economic cost, uh, uh, noting this negative uh, economic growth. Um, and the, we've seen a recovery in 2021 uh, and continuing in 2022. Um, and, and this is the environment in which we operate with respect to public finances. We've also noted the debt to GDP ratio rising sharply since 2008. In fact, in 2008, it was at 26%. In 
In 2019, it reached 62.5%. And during the COVID pandemic, it sits above 77%. I think that demonstrates the, the tight fiscal matrix and the resource constraints in which we have to operate. As DPW, uh, we can directly assist, and we've been seeking to go in this direction, Chairperson and members of the committee, by uh, the sale and the lease of our vacant state properties. In fact, we've drafted a circular uh, to drive our targets during the current year to streamline the leasing process and make vacant properties available to the private sector and to generate revenue in this regard. And these sales and leases can generate much needed revenue for the state. Uh, And this we see as important to sweat our portfolio and to contribute towards a self-sustainable property management trading entity as part of the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure. With respect to the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, we've noted the unemployment rate and our contribution also to the presidential employment stimulus. And initially for most government departments, uh, or for most governments at least, reduced the spread of the disease through limiting social interactions, but the lockdowns also limited economic activity. So we also note that with EPWP, we're providing these job opportunities and it's critical for alleviating the burden of unemployment so uh, we also have, uh, Chairperson, the, um, the uh, skills pipeline project within DPW. And as part of this program, we've placed more than 1,100 graduates, um, of whom 60% are female. And the construction industry still remains male-dominated, and we're also seeking to respond to that. So our beneficiaries are deployed throughout our regional offices. We have 11 regional offices and, 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 and multiple DPW programs. Almost 300 graduates are also working in our rural bridges program. Uh, so we're developing skills within that particular area. With respect to the state of uh, public infrastructure, Chairperson, there has been a, a reduction in, in state infrastructure spending uh, on a macro level, largely as a result of decreased spending from state-owned enterprises. Moving on to the topic of le- the leasehold portfolio and the itemized building, we are managing around 2,200 leases uh, in our regions through our real estate management services branch. In addition, 87% of our 81,000 buildings are occupied by client departments who are in the itemized building project. This itemized building chairperson is very important for the department to ensure we recover the right kind of tariffs from our user department so that we can provide them with an adequate service. So moving on from there, Chairperson, to the internal environment, and I won't dwell too much on this, uh, the important thing for our internal environment, we've introduced what we call the 10 principles. Uh, this is nothing new, Chairperson, the 10 principles. The 10 principles, they uh, comprise of uh, various interventions that talk to uh, prioritize areas to improve the business. Uh, specifically the overall performance and responsiveness and audit outcomes, specifically with regard to the management of expenditure on projects, management of unscheduled maintenance, and the management of private leases. We recognize, uh, Chairperson, that the poor performance in these areas are mainly attributed to the culmination of various uh, uh, governance and systemic weaknesses. And, And in order to improve performance of the department, we've identified these 10 areas. The first one is our change management program. And I'm talking to the first bullet under the internal environment, and I will conclude the slide on that uh, uh, particular bullet. The change management program is uh, responding to the ethical and, uh, and, and, and organizational 
culture gaps we have in the department. We were seeking to, to change the, 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 the culture of work in the department and establish a new work ethic. And this is driven by our deputy minister. It's how seriously we take this program that we believe that we can achieve more by changing the attitudes and the mentality, the level of responsiveness and the level of ethics in the department. We also have a service delivery improvement program, which is based on Batupila principles and aligned to the public service regulations. We are now on, on the third level, introducing the infrastructure development system as the basis of our business process management and our operating model. We are automating our business processes through the Akibas and SAGE system, and also introducing better levels of contract management and contract monitoring in the department. And of course, uh, Chairperson, we also recognize our clean audit program. And with respect to the clean audit, we've achieved the, uh, the best level of audit outcome in the last financial year, uh, uh, measured uh, year on year in the last decade. Uh, and in the year ahead, we are hoping that DPW itself achieves a clean audit. So, Chair, these initiatives are not new plans or projects, but they focus at addressing areas of chronic institutional failure to improve the quality of service. So we believe that this is linked to the priority of government of creating a capable state. That if we create a capable department, uh, we will improve performance and make our rightful contribution to uh, economic growth and uh, also the, have an impact on the, the kind of services our user departments deliver in appreciation, Chair, that uh, we provide the infrastructure to which government delivers public services. So if you move a form from that slide, please, uh, Adam. Yes, so Chair, I've come to this point where we go into the program performance information, and I'd like to, 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 to reflect on an, an important uh, uh, part of uh, our program as a department that in alignment with the seven priorities of government, we also have our seven outcomes. And this is the basis upon which the presentation is, is, is derived from this slide onwards, that we see our role with respect to outcomes, that we need to generate outcomes, we need to, we need to uh, have an impact on, 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 on government's broader goals and objectives. And these are our seven outcomes. We want to create a resilient, capable, and ethical department that's aligning our people to our processes and systems to drive organizational performance. We also want to integrate our planning and coordination, recognizing that public works is a concurrent function. We need to coordinate what happens at local, provincial, and national government in terms of the, the district development model. So integrated planning is very important to us. It also applies to EPWP, where we coordinate government's flagship uh, employment program. Thirdly, sustainable infrastructure investment. We want to deliver sustainable infrastructure and create a growing economy. And we have a tremendous opportunity now that we are establishing Infrastructure South Africa. Uh, infrastructure South Africa is now the gateway and the single point of entry for all major infrastructure in the country. Fourth is productive assets. We have more than 100,000 uh, assets, immovable assets and land parcels. And we need to manage this portfolio with a productive intent to enable better service delivery. We need to sweat these assets, use more public owned buildings as opposed to leased in buildings. And we need to put our assets, as the president mentioned in the, in the, in the Dakotla, we need to use our endowments as government to stimulate the economy for the public good. 
First is to transform the birth environment. We recognize that through legislation and other interventions, we must transform the birth environment and the industry for the mutual and sustainable economic growth of all. We need to optimize job opportunities. And we're talking about the expanded public works program, as well as stimulating the construction industry by transforming the entire industry for the mutual uh, benefit of all. And of course, uh, it's a dignified client experience. When we talk about the dignified client experience, it's in recognition, as I mentioned, Chairperson, that our buildings are the structures through which government delivers services. That the home affairs uh, building uh, or the hospital or the school, um, those are the infrastructure through which government delivers public services and we are responsible for providing the infrastructure. And the dignified experience is to ensure that the infrastructure is of the appropriate quality so that the public uh, feel that they are receiving quality services from government. So moving on from there, Chairperson, I would like on that basis of these seven outcomes is to present our plan. And of course, our plan is our strategic plan. It's a five-year plan. And the APP is for 2022-23. It's that chunk, that one-year chunk towards the overall strategy. And it's based on these seven outcomes, Chairperson. I'd like to hand over to Mr. Maslangu. He's cured his connectivity problem. And I'd like him to carry the presentation for this part until we reach the budget. Mr. Maslangu. Good morning. Uh, thank you. Um, okay, Chairperson, I'll be guided by you. There's a hand. Let's, let's, hear, let's hear the hand from Honorable Dango. Uh, Chairperson, just one question. Uh, on on the presentation, is the question that was raised after the National Assembly caught fire is the question of buildings insurance, uh, and the, we I understand that the state self insures, but where they letting property uh, to the private sector, who takes care of that insurance, the state or the private sector clients that are now letting the property. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Dango. Can we, can, can we request that they note the question and then uh, we pack it and then once uh, they are done with the presentation, uh, that should be the first uh, response that they start with. Thank you. You can continue. Thank you very much, Thank you, DDG. Thank you, Chairperson, and morning. Honorable members and uh, DPWI um, colleagues. Jefferson, I will take you through building on the DG's, uh, DDG's uh, uh, interpretation and uh, remarks. Uh, pardon me, Chair, if my cough interrupts the presentation, but I'll do my best. <clears throat> um, linking the presentation earlier on the uh, presentation earlier on, on, on the external environment and the environment that then seeks to drive some of these and I will explain them in that context. Uh, first of all, in uh, priority one of a capable ethical state and then we have developed a balanced scorecard that then seeks to look at internally in the organization how do we then find efficiencies 
that will then drive the organization and we measure those efficiencies and look at the gaps that will then continuously improve on. So first of all, we start with the ethics and fraud perception rating. Now, this comes into two forms. One is we do the ethics perception survey, which is within the department on how we are perceived. And this you also just oppose that with what you call the more Ibrahim's perception uh, index or corruption perception index, as if you will. So it's more about how are we perceive, but it's structured also in such a way that we'll be able to extract some elements that then speaks to weaknesses within the organization that then will then be feeding into that. That is then will be driven by the ethics officer in the organization to build that. Now, this builds to the earlier uh, comment made by the DDG on the change management aspect of dealing with the weaknesses in the department and ethics. So the perception rate is doing that. We've extended, we are also extending the perception uh, survey also to our uh, clients or customers, or rather those doing business with the department to also see what are the challenges they are also experiencing when engaging business with the department. And that is where we now also looking at how we build on that. So the perception is dealing with that uh, aspect of it. Then that then contributes to the next one, which is the compliance rate, where we look at all of the issues that then fits into your section 195 of the constitution about the public sector, internal controls, business operations, as well as ethical conduct. This then speaks to those. Currently, we have the top 20 compliance uh, aspects in the department, where we will build a compliance universe on then how we also look at the risk and the likelihood and inherent uh, uh, risk within the compliance to ensure that we meet into that. So there's a link between 1.1 and 1.2 in relation to that. And then we also look at performance information, linking to that to 1.4, which is performance finance. Now, there will be financial uh, ratios that are also measured. Uh, I think when we come to the committee, when we present the annual report, you will see that there will be some financial ratios that we normally present. So we use those ratios as well to determine the financial health of the institution. Performance information, we also look at in two forms. One is on to what extent are we delivering on the ground, but at the same time to correlate the level of percentage of performance in the organization to the reality on the ground. And this also links to the external environment. What did we identify as a gap in the external environment? And what resources do we have internally so that then we address the problem and to what extent are we dealing with that? So those are basically seeking to deal with that. But will be will be supported by 1.5, which is the vacancy. How much capacity do we have to fill those positions, to drive those, and that's where the vacancy rate. So they're interlinked in that connection. But more so in terms of feeding to the national strategic plan on GPVF, as well as supporting the gender Gender, uh, gender agenda is also to look at designated groups within the senior management. And this is purely on the senior management. And you see that it's focusing largely on women and people with disabilities. And we have a target that then talks to about at least 50%. We're currently sitting at around uh, 40, 44, 48, 44, 45%. But we're pushing it to 50% of SMSs. <coughs> and then people with disabilities as well. And then to improve the inefficiencies, which then speaks to a resilient and the capable DPW, we are looking at automating our businesses. And I think this is, <coughs> sorry, this is linked to, <coughs> this is linked to um, 
at the time when the pandemic hit the uh, hit our shores, we had to look at alternative ways to deal with that. We we're working without stopping the service delivery, and that one spoke spoke to business continuity, availability of ICT infrastructure, availability of ITC systems. And this is where the automation and the business uh, solutions come into play to then enable us to be able to work even outside the physical structure, such as our offices, and be able to work anywhere and continue with service delivery. So these two indicators speak to that. And there are various modules that are inbuilt uh, uh, or linking to... (coughs) presentation made by the DDG earlier on ERP. And then uh, lastly is the finance, which I talked to. So these are the indicators that we'll be measuring. Next slide, Adam. For chair, in fact, there are two, for every outcome of presenting two forms of tables. One is a table that speaks to the MTSF, and then the second table will speak to the current financial year, which then looks at breaking down those indicators on a quarterly basis. So taking the same indicator that I spoke to about earlier, these are the indicators. Excuse me, just one second. Sorry. These are the indicators broken down on a quarterly basis. And uh, Chair and... Um, Honorable members, uh, just to bring your attention, you will see that in some quarters we don't have targets. Now, now they, this is the APP. It will be supported by the operational plan. Now, the operational plan deals mainly with the activities that then give effect to outputs. So our APP is output driven, but where there are no quota targets, it means that there are no targets in the in respect to outputs, but there are milestones in respect to activities that will lead to that. So if then we are called upon by the um, committee to then present, say for instance, quarter one, we will be able to give you what we are, where we are in quarter one in relation to that indicator so that the members can also see the projection or how far we are from realizing that quarter. So that is the interaction between our operational plan, our activity based, to the APP which is output based. So it's not that nothing is happening, it's just driven by activities. So that goes cuts across. Next slide, Mr. Mutombin. The second outcome is basically on integrated planning and coordination. This stems from the point that there is disjuncture in government planning right across, particularly when there are a number of stakeholders and interaction within government departments and entities. So we have built it in that context, particularly given that we've got the eye in the infrastructure on how we coordinate right across from national, uh, uh, provincial, and local municipality. So this then speaks to that as well. So we have developed a national infrastructure plan 2050, which is driven by the infrastructure of South Africa. And then also in built in that is also working with our sister departments, such as the provincial departments on what we call the concurrent function, where we developed certain indicators that then speak on common interest and interlinkages between the national and provinces, particularly when it comes to public works space. So we've got a sector plan that then deals with that, and then periodically gets monitored, and then it's presented at various structures, such as your technical MinMEC, as well as MinMEC. And then we also have ESIPs, historical SIPs uh, that build on, uh, you know, those strategic uh, integrated projects, which are also being presented and periodically they will be presented, um, coordinated by the infrastructure South Africa. And then also we're developing a national infrastructure plan, phase two, 
which maintain talks to social and distributed infrastructure, which then periodically will be submitted to cabinet for approval to ensure that then there is that distribution of infrastructure also to deal with special uh, or historically disadvantaged uh, communities that could not even access those uh, structures of infrastructure. Then we also also contribute to um, Work opportunities. This is now where DDG also expressed the issue of work opportunities and also linking to the 5 million target. Now it's split into two ways. One is how do we then improve the coordination right across all bodies that that, uh, reflect or that uh, administer the program and ensure that technical support and the necessary guidance is provided to maximize the output of uh, create work opportunities. But at the same time, being able to extract from the support and the reports that are generated, what then will be the numbers that are then reported in respect to with respect to work opportunities. So this indicator then deals with that. Then in terms of ensuring that we work with our user departments, and then this is also informed by the principle to say, we are planning with our clients. We don't plan with, we don't plan with our clients in mind. This is where now the, the use of the uh, CM, which is your, your uh, custodian asset management plan, where it basically uh, consolidate all the inputs from the various client departments in terms of their infrastructure needs. And then we are able to then uh, address those with that. And this also links to the last part that the DTG also mentioned of the dignified client experience to ensure that we also provide the necessary quality services to our client, which will also be embedded in this plan. And then lastly is to also look at government precinct, where we are also focusing on how do we bring services closer to the citizens. Uh, and I think there are quite a number of uh, examples that have been projected. Say, for instance, how do you bring a court and the home affairs and SAPS in one precinct so that all the necessary documentation, people are able to move within uh, that's those spaces or those facilities without having to travel, to travel long distances. So precincts are basically leading to that. Next slide. And this is basically a breakdown of those quarterly targets. Next slide, Mr. Trombin. Then the third one is sustained uh, infrastructure investment. Chairperson and uh, honorable members, here we're talking largely about infrastructure as a percentage of GDP. How do we then leverage on infrastructure to bring about a change in the growth of the economy? And we are moving it from a base of 18% in 2019. And we're saying in terms of 2024, before the revised NTP uh, or MTSF, we're looking at 25% of infrastructure as a percentage of GDP, of which is broken down into public sector 7% and private sector 18%. So inherently, you can actually see that there is also a shift and a move by government to work with the private sector so that there is a consulting, concerted effort in the country to then bring about a change. And here is through that coordination and the, the work of ESA as well uh, through the SEED symposiums uh, to try and also attract investments into the infrastructure to ensure that we then leverage on that. And this is moving also towards the NTP target of 30% infrastructure investment as a percent of GDP. Now, that is basically the consolidation aspect of it. But there is 
is another leg to it that because public works also has infrastructure projects that it administers, then we are also looking at with the budget that we have, how then do we also look at how we deliver our projects and what will be the fraction or the percentage of our own projects to the bigger scheme, which is basically the nationwide infrastructure. So here we are measuring the internal DPWI projects, and then we're also looking at how what is the fraction of those uh, um, in, in terms of the, in the nationwide infrastructure plan. Now we're also looking from a design point of view to projects that are completed within a great period of time as well as budget. And I think this is where we are also focusing on efficiencies within how we build, uh, we construct to ensure that we complete within time, within budget, and ensuring that there's value for money in the delivery of projects that are delivered on time. And then there's no opportunity cost or financial uh, leakages in the system. So these are efficiency indicators that seek to deal with that. And then also once we've constructed that, then you hand over the sites then and as well as uh, <coughs> All in all, we're also looking at what would be the quantum of all the infrastructure projects that would have been pro would have been um, uh, completed this financial year. Next slide. Next slide is actually a breakdown of all of these indicators on a quarterly basis, which will then appear before the committee. Uh, uh, to then present what is our progress in relation to that. Next slide, we have also broken these projects in terms of our regions because we've got 11 regional offices that also administer that. I think this, we also do it for the interest of the of the honorable members to say, maybe also, maybe also to play an oversight in terms of how we then give effect to administering our programs uh, in, in your areas, in your core constituencies, so that we are also assisted by yourselves to give effect to um, uh, a capable state. And these are the projects that are then divided into these seven, 11 regional offices. Next slide. It continues with the breakdown of those indicators in relation to our uh, uh, regional offices and also prov provincial um, uh, location in which province these regional offices are. And the sum of these individual uh, uh, projects that you will see, that you see here, actually constitute what I presented in the earlier slide, which is basically the total for the departments. Next slide. <coughs> next slide, Mr. Tomel, next slide. The next one is an outcome on productive assets. Uh, Chair and honorable members, the key message here is, providing assets for the intended purpose and realizing value out of it. That is basically is. Now that then speaks to the core business of PMTE, the property management trading entity. And therefore we have created an index that sums that basically is a consolidation of or a composite of various indicators that we are going to <coughs> use uh, to determine how the index is now built with, within the index, it will also will be able to extract areas where in a weighted KPI, which of these KPIs is actually not doing well and in which indicator and in which program so that then efforts are then geared towards that. The reason for creating an index is because this is a value chain of plan, acquire, uh, operate, maintain, 
and dispose. So it's a value chain. So you needed an index that will then show you within the value chain how then this is. So we're basically looking at one, looking at the leasing portfolio, uh, which we also measure in terms of the private, uh, looking at leases within the security cluster, how we reduce that. So for safety reasons and other uh, <coughs> various reasons of ensuring that we realize value for money and ease of managing such portfolios. We're also looking at how then do we save on these identified leases uh, that we have identified. I think this is also speaking to how we are also addressing uh, <coughs> the rent value uh, amounts that we often pay and how do we save on this by negotiating or renegotiating uh, values that will also uh, save the state and bring my, my money back to the fiscals. And then we also say those that we have actually uh, identified and we are letting out, how much revenue should we then generate <coughs> from, from these uh, assets as well. And the idea is also to look at uh, also an asset uh, that will also be able to maintain itself and we're looking at those as well. And then also speaking to a number of unutilized vacant state-owned properties, we're also looking at those vacant state properties because money is lost there, whether it's 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 uh, it's based on 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 rents uh, taxes uh, levies uh, security etc that and they're open to vandalism so we need to then look at strategies on how we use those unutilized uh, properties to ensure that we then cut down those. You can then think of the broken window theory uh, in relation to how we then also need to avoid losses from those facilities. And then we're looking at the private leases with the maintenance plan. I think this is also to ensure that it does that to avoid the um, uh, um, the movement, the continuous uh, movement of uh, clients in various departments from one to another because of lack of maintenance or they are dissatisfied with the quality of services the facility actually provides. So we're ensuring that when we enter into a contract with a private, it must have a maintenance plan that then will enable us to be able to then secure long-term um, uh, facilities or accommodation solution for our clients uh, and also avoid these up and down and changes of this. And then Chaperson also as part of the productive asset also linked to integrated planning and coordinating with us is also the issue of release of land uh, uh, vectors of land for socio-economic infrastructure. In this case, we're also looking at infrastructure release of land, which basically is a trigger process on the available land that we can release, that is the dispose function of the aspect of it, of the four, of the life cycle, how we then dispose of those or release that land for other socio-economic uh, initiatives, be it infrastructure, human settlements, and well as rural development, also assisting government in terms of ad ad addressing uh, land reform. And then uh, national provincial immovable asset, we're also working together with our sister counterparts to look at the single repository of assets just to get a sense of what is the state, what does the state own and how much is that and what will be that, uh, how can we then leverage on that portfolio uh, in terms of managing the states, uh, the assets of the states. And we're also looking at immovable physical verified uh, assets, validated, validating existence, and also assess condition of those assets. We're working together in ensuring that uh, those that we see that there's no value, dispose of, donate, 
those that we can be uh, refurbished uh, can also be can, can also be done. We can also refurbish them and repurpose them for other purposes. That's where now the productive assets also comes in. That is where the interrelation between the leasing portfolio, the asset register, and the investment component of the department, together with the facilities management, are now integrated to actually bring about how best we can manage our portfolio. And this is the productive asset. And the 11.1, 11.2 speaks to the facilities management, where we then conduct assess, uh, conduct when we do a condition assessment on the one, the properties themselves, but also the components. Uh, of 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 the of these assets such as your leaf boilers, uh, heating, ventilation, and aircon and generator sets, as water as well as water system. That also contributes to the ten principles that the, the, the DDG spoke about, particularly the principle that speaks to the macro operational model of the department. And this is basically embedded in that. Next slide, uh, Mr. Tombeni. Uh, Chair and honorable members, all the indicators that I spoke to, these are now broken down in terms of a quarterly. Uh, and um, next slide. And uh, we'll then be uh, offered or afforded an opportunity to present to the select committee uh, our progress uh, when we are requested to come. This transform built environment, uh, Chair and Honourable Members, our, our approach to transform built environment is based on three legs. First of all, we said, let's look at the legislation that will assist us in the organisation to transform the built environment. And that's where now we talk of our trans legislation uh, that then speaks to that. And then we are saying, now that we have identified and we are now embarking on that legislative approach, uh, process to change, what will be the uh, spin-offs in, in that regard? Now, we also build on the skills pipeline within that. Now, <clears throat> the skills pipeline also feeds into to say, we've got programs that were, I think the DTG uh, mentioned the program of the bursary that we also, that's part of it, to look at the skills program and how we move them within the value chain or within the skills pipeline, working together with our entities, such as the Council of Built Environment with its six end councils, and also linking that with the universities to also look at how then do we build future uh, uh, built, and, uh, built environment uh, uh, in engineers, architects, and that will then bring about professional uh, building of, uh, professionals uh, uh, within this value chain for future infrastructure. And I think that's basically why, so that we don't talk about shortages of whether it's engineers or architects, etc. We already have a pipeline system that then also seeks to speak to future needs of the country with regards to infrastructure. And inherently that, which is the third leg of the built environment, is to then also looking at the empowerment aspect of it. And we can use our procurement uh, 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 budget to then <clears throat> leverage on that where we build your designated groups, be it women in construction, uh, youth in construction, and also people with disabilities. They can come in various forms, be it on a consulting basis or in other forms. And that is the third leg that. So we're saying that once we do that, 
uh, we'll then be able to then transform the built environment. We are looking at how we participation rate, and I think this is where we are talking about the deconcentration of the participation within the built environment, where we bring in other role players. And one of the indicators that speaks to that is also use of utilized uh, unutilized vacant state for GPV, where it can also be repurposed for certain things. And then the list awards, the way we are now looking at the changes of the skewed patterns of ownership in terms of your landlords. And that's where we now want to bring them to participate in the main economic stream. And then also how we then let out to different uh, BEE codes as well as a good cause of good practice. And then in terms of the skills, we're looking at beneficiaries that are participating within the DPW skills by offering bursaries, by offering uh, on-the-job training, by also looking at how best we engage with the councils and universities to offer them opportunities to partake in their various programs and also uh, be able to then satisfy. Next slide, Mr. Tombeni. And this then next slide speaks to that legislative environment where we are talking about the expropriation and the expropriation act and then the public works bill and infrastructure bill. Where we bring, we seek to bring uh, that expropriation public works bill. I think, I think also aligned with this pluma uh, to look at how then we then build on infrastructure and also because we're talking about construction and I think the DDG mentioned the issue of reviving the construction sector, we're also looking at the amendments of the CITB Act, uh, which will also look at some of the components of empowerment as well as. <clears throat> the regulations for the Infrastructure Development Act and as well as amendments to that to be submitted to cabinet of that, which will see also the establishment fully as an entity of the infrastructure of South Africa. Next slide, Mr. Tromey. Then these other slides, they speak to all these indicators broken down on a quarterly basis. And I think also uh, we will be able to provide this when we are asked to come to present our quarter one progress. Next slide. The optimized job opportunities, we've already touched on it. It has two legs. One, we're focusing on work opportunities. And I did say that as part of the integrated planning on coordinating the activities of the various bodies that play a role in creating work opportunities, as well as providing support and guiding and technical support, we also look at how then do we then extract information from the numbers that would have been reported in the EQP, in, in the EPWP reporting system on and, and see how then we are moving towards the 5 million target that has been set by government in the MTSF. But the second leg, also speaking to the other uh, other one of number of beneficiaries participating in the skills pipeline, we're also looking at how best do we feed into the organization some of those that are within the pipeline to also feed into some gaps that have been identified, particularly in areas where expertise is required, and also supporting the young people in the in various professions uh, uh, Professions to also feed into the organization. So the optimize is, is basically looking to, into that context. And this also feeds into one, the massification um, uh, uh, initiative by government and the also the ERRP of government. But bigger than that or broader than that is also to address the issue of youth unemployment and the focus is also looking into that. And that's where the second level of optimized job opportunities is to address. Next slide, Mr. Trombini. And this is basically a breakdown at the provincial level municipality 
and national level of the EPWP work opportunities that we will be creating uh, over time. Next slide, Mr. Tombeni. And then the last outcome is a dignified client experience. Now, this dignified client experience is basically streamed or basically shaped into this. It's a three-layer approach when we say Department of Public Works and Infrastructure the client department as the second layer, and then the citizen as the third layer. Now, what are we talking about this? You are saying that the Department of Public Works should be able to provide quality services to the client department who has a direct contact with the citizens for them to be able to then discharge their mandate to the citizens. So both the Department of Public Works and the client departments have a similar or a common goal of ensuring that our citizens get the best. But as the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, we trigger the process of an effective management for the client department to deliver services. And this is where now our quality service delivery uh, machinery comes in, which is built on the Batupili principles, as well as the SDIP improvement plan, and also uh, feeding into our turnaround uh, processes within the organization on how we administer such facilities or facilities management initiatives or properties uh, uh, operations to our client department. So it is um, um, built on three concepts, QQT, quantity, quality, and time. What is the quantity that we provide in terms of your quantities of, uh, of, of, of be it a condition assessment, uh, um, of assessment of those conditional HVAC gensets, but also what is the quality that we provide because the quality also has an impact in terms of the lifespan and there's a value issue issue to say if we fix something that has a duration of five years, how often do we come to fix that within that five-year period? If more often, then there's an issue with the quality and the poor workmanship. And that is the focus on the, on some of these issues. And then lastly is the time, which is the turnaround time. How soon do we respond to request that government departments request us to then uh, deal with those? Those are some of the issues that I think we're trying to do. So the 10 principles that were presented by the DTG basically underpin all these initiatives to try and bring about efficiencies within the system of the, of the department and then improve. The next slide then brings about the, uh, the breakdown of these indicators where we're looking at one, the state events that we provide to prestige portfolio that quality, quantity, and the turnaround time. We also look at movable assets that we provide to our prestige clients, such as parliament, uh, parliamentary villages, which basically includes yourselves as honorable members, how we then best serve you as our clients, and also to look at um, uh, uh, ministerial houses as well, how we provide you know, those movable assets within a particular period of time of a quality nature and ensure that you are not bothered by uh, a, a broken chair when you are actually focusing on other things. So those are the kind of things that we're looking at. And also um, the facilities management aspects of maintenance and ensuring that all our facilities, they have contracts in place, be it your term contracts, that there's a quick response rate to a need to maintain something or replace something. And that's basically what. And then we are creating also what we call a feedback loop, where we say, once we have um, um, repaired something, give us feedback. 
how did we do so that we can take the feedback to continuously improve our services. So on the one hand is dignified client experience in terms of their experience in being productive in an environment that we are providing the maintenance, but also the, the satisfaction they also derive from the quickness or the response rate we provide when there's a need. Next slide basically then speaks to some of the initiatives that we have as part of your SIPs. Uh, in this case, we've got the Wellesis Bridge uh, program, which is also broken down on the KZN and from, from Eastern Cape, KZN and Pumalani, Pope of Eastern Northwest. And the total, <coughs> the total that we have is 96 bridges broken down in that provincial spread. The next slide then also speaks to the detail of these projects at a district level and municipal level. And then it gives us uh, these numbers. The last slide, Chairperson, before then I give over to, um, to yourselves and finance, then speaks to uh, the risk. Uh, our risks are then built also <clears throat> on the same outcomes that we have built. We have, top, we have 12 uh, strategic risks in the organization, and we're bringing reality in terms of the space in which we operate. I think partly it also touches on the question that was raised earlier on by honorable member. We have got a risk <clears throat> in outcome one, we are looking at cyber risk because we are open to all of those things because, we, again, speaking to the same issue of business continuity and working from home, we are open to all of those things. And I think because of the 4IR and so many initiatives in the technological space, we are open to this. So we need to then ensure that we then have real-time analytics and forced security protocols to ensure that we mitigate such risks. External shocks, natural hazards. <clears throat> pandemic and fires, that's another risk that we have built in as well. And we're looking at business continuity, adherence to COVID. And I think what we are also seeing is that if you look at what's happening in China currently, four to five cities are already under hard lockdown in China. So already we are building to say, what are the potent possibilities of that also coming to South Africa to basically, again, the spread of the pandemic. So we also built in that risk as well of external shocks uh, that we're also looking into that. Uh, we also take into consideration what's happening in terms of the floods uh, and then how we then also respond uh, to those floods, particularly when officials can't get to work uh, because of flooded areas, but then they provided with the necessary tools to be able to work from home so that government continues. Those are the things that we're bringing in. The issue of fire, we are also looking at the issues. I think we've also engaged the SASRIA where we're looking at alternative ways, alternative ways of how we are uh, focusing on this as well. We've also done a preliminary study on government departments right across the world uh, to actually see that. And I think we've also seen that in most the government uh, in the world then potential uh, because there is a belief that a certain amount from the fiscals can always be made available to restore facilities. There's, so there are quite a number of theories around that, but we've already started the engagement, which is part of our discussion in the risk management committee, as well as part of the discussions that we've had with Sasria on what are the alternative ways of how we deal with these issues around fires, as well as safeguarding our assets. Fraud and corruption, those are the things that we've done that we also need to deal with that again again extracting information from the perception surveys will be able to look at how we are perceived and also dealing internally with issues of fraud and corruption in the department and i think there are a few examples that will have been presented in the past to the committee as well perceived stakeholder interest and interference and influence because here we are talking of multiple stakeholders national provincial local municipalities all the entities which then also drive the infrastructure 
particular project. We need to ensure that we speak of the same voice to, to, uh, to remove uncertain, uncertainties when it comes to infrastructure, because it is through these uncertainties and policy direction of infrastructure that will be enabled to then um, you know, attract the necessary investment. So that then risk is also embedded on what then are the protocols and machinery that we're going to use to try and bring everyone within the space to have a similar common voice so that we are able to attract investment. So that is what is going on. We're also dealing with our project hijacks, and I think you've seen this in some of the, uh, the areas where we've dealt with um, uh, projects that are hijacked. And I think that also stems from uh, uh, the interpretation of the PP, the 30% as well. So we're also looking at ensuring that we also have community engagements uh, where the project is prior to the project to have an understanding of what the project is about, what are the protocols, et cetera, et cetera, so that we alleviate. We cannot totally remove the risk, but at least we can find alternative ways on how we can limit the risk or, or, the, or narrow the extent of exposure to such a risk. And I think that's the intention that we're trying to do. The rest of the risk is infrastructure failure, which again talks to the systems, uh, possible lockouts. I think we have seen that in the two months ago, we've experienced some lockouts uh, because of the disputes with uh, <coughs> certain landlords. And I think this is a risk has actually materialized. And then collusion and fronting, we've seen that again, which is basically breach of prescripts. We've seen those things. We're looking at how best we can engage on those issues. And demand risk, as a demand risk, which is basically looking at the gap between the, the intended target or the desired target and the, the actual, and what are the portals, I mean, sorry, loopholes uh, and the challenges uh, uh, in that regard. And then reputational damage links to the dignified client experience to say, how quickly do we respond to the needs and what quality services do we provide to them? And also, beyond just the issues of facilities is how do we bring back the image of public works and infrastructure so that there's a common understanding of what is the role of public works. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson and uh, honorable members. Um, the next one then talks on the budget structure. Thanks. Yes, uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, um, Mr. Mazibuko is with us and Ms. Yonita Prinslow the uh, financial managers for the DPW and PMT budgets. Mr. Um, Mazboko will come in first, followed by Ms. Prince. Thank you very much. Um, thanks, uh, Mr. Faisal, and good morning, Chairperson and committee members and colleagues. Um, Chairperson, what I'm going to present here is a DPW budget for the next three years. So in the presentation, we have also mm -hmm. covered uh, the historical mm -hmm. period, which is 2018-19 um, to 2020-21. And those are the audited, and including the one that has just finished, the year under review, which is 21-22 financial year. Um, Chairperson, as you can see, um, we have the budget of 8.5 billion for 22-23 financial year. If you compare the budget that we have and the one that we had in the previous financial year, there is an increase of 200 million. That is equivalent to an increase of 2.4%. If you look at the five programs that you have, uh, 
the the increase is mainly under PWP um, and property and construction uh, uh, industry policy and research. And the increase, uh, it is mainly under the transfers. It means your goods and services, compensation of employees and machinery, they remain the same or they have decreased in comparison to the previous financial year. Chairperson, when you look at the first program, uh, this is the summary. We did not present or we did not table the budget for economic classification in the programs, but we have where we are presenting only the summary for the department and the summary per program. Administration for 21-22 financial year, the budget uh, was 511. We still have the same because it's only increase of 512, which is an increase of 1 million. Why there is a minimal increase is because we did not get any additional money as an increase under goods and services and um, compensation of employees. So program one, which is administration, it is driven by compensation and goods and services. Program two, intergovernmental coordination, the budget for the current financial year, which is 22-23, it's 63 million, which is the same as what we had in the previous financial year. The same as program one, it is driven by compensation and goods and services. Program three, EPWP, we have the budget of 3 billion, against 2.9 billion uh, in 21-22 financial year. As I've indicated, the increase that you have here, it will be under the provinces and municipalities, which are the conditional grant, and also under the non-state sector, which is the transfer to IDT. Program four, which is the property and construction industry policy and research. We have the budget of 4.8 billion, compared to 4.7 that we had in the previous financial year. Also in the same program, the increase is under transfers, mainly under the transfer to the entities which include EP, I mean, uh, PMTA. Program five, which is the last program, we have the budget of 80 million, which is a decrease compared to 94 million that we had in the previous financial year. The same with program one and program two, uh, the main expenditure here, it is uh, compensation and goods and services. Here, as there is a decrease, the decrease is mainly under goods and services. Now, in terms of the economic classification, we have the budget of 591 million under compensation of employees uh, compared to 571. Also under this item, there was no increase from treasury. So we remain with the same budget. If there is an increase in the salaries with the budget that remains the same, it means the department will have to make sure that we do not overspend. But what you will do, it will be sacrificing some of the positions that are still vacant to make sure that you accommodate the salary increase. Compensation of employees with the budget of 499 compared to 480 that we had in the previous financial year. As I've indicated that program one, two, and three, I mean, program one, two, and five, it is driven by compensation and goods and services. The bulk of the budget that you will have under goods and services, it will be sitting in program one, program four, and it will also be sitting under program three, EPWP, to, sup to support the, the programs or the, the project that EPWP will be implementing. 
Under the transfers, we have 7.2 billion with 1.6 billion allocated to provinces and municipalities for conditional grant. And this is mainly for the EPWP programs. There is a slide that will be showing uh, which programs and how much uh, program is allocated under the EPWP. Departmental agencies and account, this is a transfer to the departmental entities, which is the PMTE, I, I mean, PMTE, CBE, uh, AGRIMA, and CIDB. The bulk of the budget under the departmental agencies, which is around 4.2 billion, it is transferred to PMTE. For RAIN government and international organization, we have the budget of 29 million. This is the money that the department is, tra is transferring as a commitment for South African government for the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. We also have the budget for public corporations and private enterprise. This is the budget that the department is transferring to the IDC for the implementation of the PICC program, which is linked to the infrastructure. We have uh, the nonprofit institution, which is the non-state sector, uh, which is part of the EPWP. Uh, the program is it's implemented through IDT and the budget allocation is 1 billion. We also have the budget for payment for capital asset, which is the machinery and equipment. As you can see, there is a decrease compared to the 24 million that we have because the budget for 22-23 financial year, it is 20 million. This is linked to the demand for the department, which is mainly for your computers and the office equipment. Um, can you go to the next slide? Slide number 42. Again, yes, thank you. Uh, Chairperson has indicated that uh, the bulk of the departmental budget is sitting under the transfers and subsidies and the budget under the transfers uh, from the 8.4 billion that I have indicated, uh, 7 billion is allocated to the transfers, which is equivalent to 87%. The balance of 13%, it will be going to your compensation and goods and services. Now, in terms of where the money is going, as you can see, 4.4 billion, it is allocated to property management trading entity, which we normally call it PMTA. So this is the entity in the department. So it will be receiving 4.4 to implement the programs of the department. We also have CIDB, which is allocated 80 million, which is almost the same amount as in the previous financial year. CBE it is allocated 54 million. There is no increase because they also receive 54 million. Commonwealth War Graves Commission, it's 29 million. Parliamentary Villages Management Board, it is also 11 million. We also have a Construction Education Training Authority. So this is for Levy, 691. Agrima South Africa, uh, it will be receiving 34 million. Presidential Infrastructure Coordination Commission, which is implemented through IDC. The budget is 90 million. EPWP Integrated Grant for Municipalities. The budget is 781 million. This budget will be allocated to all municipalities in the country. 
EPWP integrated grant for provinces, 434. This will also be allocated for all the provinces and different department per province. EPWP social sector incentive grant for provinces, 426. Also the program is, is implemented in all the provinces. Uh, and the last one is the non-state sector, which I said it will be implemented through the IDT and we have the budget of 1 billion. Thank you, Chairperson. This is the budget for DPW and Mayor Prince will present the PMTE budget. Thank you very much. Let's proceed. Ioannita, are you with us? Yes, thank you, Mr. Ferzen. Uh, good morning, Chairperson and honorable members of the committee. Um, the PMTE, also I'm presenting in the same format that uh, Mr. Masabuka has presented just now. The PMTE's budget for 2022-23 is expected to be 23 billion, 23.5 billion. Uh, we do not receive an appropriation. <clears throat> we receive a transfer from DPW to the amount of 4.4 billion, which um, Mr. Masabuko also mentioned just now. Um, our other sources of revenue is municipal is management fees on municipal services, which is 255 million for next year. And then accommodation charges, user charges, that is the charges that we um, levy on clients that occupies our state-owned buildings um, to the amount of 5.8 billion. The other budgets that is included here in our revenue stream is more, um, our recoverable budgets, that is your client infrastructure, the projects that we do on behalf of clients, capital projects. Um, we also have a, a leasehold budget, that is the private leases of 5 billion. And then we currently have a municipal services budget where we recover, we pay municipal service, we recover it from clients, but we have devolved this function to client departments. So um, you will note that from 2000, 2022, our budget is 5.1 billion. It is going down to 3.9 billion the year after that. And we're expecting in 2024-25 to no longer have this recoverable item on our revenue or on our expenditure. This will obviously also have an impact on the management fees on municipal services. Therefore, our budget over the MTF will reduce from 23.5 billion. Um, and this is the revenue stream, so we'll go to the expenditure now. It will reduce from 23.5 billion to 23.1 in the next financial year. And in 2024-25, the budget will reduce to 20 billion. As I've mentioned already, it is mostly, it is mainly because of the municipal services recoveries that is um, moving, that has been devolved to client departments. Next slide, please. Thank you. Um, this is a, an overview of the PMTE budget. This is the expenditure portion of it. The first table on top is per um, program. So again, it is 23.5 billion rand for the year. The program that has the largest allocation is the real estate management services program. Um, mostly the, the items included in this amount is, is municipal services, uh, property rates and private leases. Uh, followed by the construction management services branch with an allocation of 5.5 billion. This branch is responsible for infrastructure. 
So there you have um, client capital, DPW infrastructure, as well as um, refurbishments that we do with our budget. <clears throat> and then the next um, branch is facilities management. And I'm talking in, in terms of, of value of budget is, and they have a budget of close to 3.7 billion rand. The facilities management branch is mostly responsible for repairs and maintenance and um, other facilities like cleaning and gardening services. If we look at the economic classification, um, I'm not gonna go through all of them. The current payments is 16.6 billion. This allocation will reduce from 16.6 to 11.9 billion in the outer year. And again, this is because of the municipal services recoverable that is going away. Of interest is the compensation budget is 2 billion. <clears throat> and that is um, the transfer we received from DPW is 4.4 billion in 2022. Of this, this amount of 2.1 billion is for compensation. That means 49% of the money we receive from DPW as a transfer will go to compensation. The rest of the transfer goes to goods and services, machinery and equipment. Um, and then also the property budgets of the PMT itself, <clears throat> our own water and lights and our own leases where we have regional offices that lease. Um, so yes, current payments is 16 billion, going down 15. On transfer payments, this is our property rights budget. It is expected to increase from 1.7 or close to 1.8 billion in this financial year, and it will steadily increase uh, to 1.9 billion and 2 billion in the outer year. On capital payments, this will include our refurbishments, client capital that we recover, machinery and equipment, which is the smallest part of this, as well as DPWI infrastructure. This is also this DPWI infrastructure, the 985 million is part of the transfer we receive for DPW. And this money is spent on infrastructure specifically related to um, to overarching projects like ports of entries, dolomite risk management, accessibility for people with disabilities, that type of project that you won't um, place with one specific client department. So capital, we are expecting a budget of, um, or we have a budget of 5.1 billion rand in this financial year, and it will grow slightly to the next year to 5.3 billion and then 6 billion in the outer year. Um, thank you very much. This is the narrative, but I've addressed that already during my presentation. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much, Ioannita, Chairperson, members of the committee. Uh, that is our, our presentation with respect to our APP and budget. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, back to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kim uh, Gigi and the team for taking the committee through the, the APP, the annual performance plan and the, the budget for the for this uh, the new financial year. Uh, we'll uh, open the floor for, for engagement, uh, but taking into account that already Honorable Dango had, uh, had posed a question, so uh, it must always be at the back of our mind. I'll, I'll open the floor for engagement. Uh, so that we are able to to, to engage with the with the department. Uh, 
Any any engagement from other members? Looks like it was quite uh, comprehensive. Uh, I've noted a little wash off and then on a high. Just uh, maybe just to to uh, uh, make a, a representation. Uh, uh, just request Honorable Chai just to to be ready to hold the fort uh, uh, because of the the challenges that I have on this side uh, for 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 questioning, uh, so that I allow uh, the team that I work and not to be held. Uh, to a stage because of my 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 situation, but uh, <clears throat> let me just uh, pose one question before I I give over to another uh, The <clears throat> the uh, the presentation uh, I get a sense that uh, it is it is uh, uh, silent in terms of. Uh, in terms of uh, the work that it will be doing uh, following the the uh, the fire that that that, that caught that caught the the parliament uh, the work that we are doing uh, in conjunction with parliament uh, maybe if the team could make a reflection on on that what plans and uh, budgetary commitments that the that the department has uh, uh, in terms of its, its, its annual performance plan uh, to, to, to respond to that. Uh, uh, the, 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 the second one relate to, 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 to one of the, the item that speaks to, to the common wealth war commission. Uh, I remember that uh, it was raised in the past. Maybe just to give more further for more further information, uh, but, but but also uh, uh, maybe uh, given what the president has said uh, in addressing the the nation on situation in Kazum Natal, uh, are, are there any anticipation that there might be? Uh, a need for, 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 for adjustment budgets, a reprioritization in terms of uh, the intervention that regional government will be doing, will be doing there. Then let me give over to Honorable Bosho, that it will be Honorable Five. Thank you very much, Chair. Good morning to everybody and thank you for the presentation. Chair, you've covered three of my questions, the fire and the um, situation in KZN and adjustment budgets, and then the Commonwealth War Commission thing. Um, what I would like to know about the fire is if this department is able to give us a time period of how long it will take to ensure that everything is back to normal. And then... Um, if I may, these are just clarity-seeking questions. 161,000-plus-odd hectares of land that is being released for development of infrastructure programs and socioeconomic objectives. If they can just um, give us an exposition on 
what developments they're speaking of and the socioeconomic objectives. And I'm very interested in the unutilized vacant state-owned properties that they wish to let out for GBV. Um, I see they speak of 30 over a three-year period, which gives you 10 per annum. If they could also elaborate on that to see where these properties will be let, um, in other words, in which provinces. And then um, number of preventative maintenance contracts to reduce uh, maintenance. This is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's 60 um, over a three-year period, 180. Um, also, again, where will these contracts um, be instituted? Which provinces or is it just at, na at a national le level. And then the anti-corruption hotline. Um, it sounds good, but I would like to know what happens to the people that phone in to um, give some information, the whistleblowers. How are they protected? And how many of these cases have been um, received and how was it addressed? And then what about the internal corruption and fraud? How is this um, addressed and how many are there so far? Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chair. Uh, um, and good morning to honorable members and the officials from the department. I'm not sure if uh, the the DPT minister has been able to join. If uh, she is uh, in, uh, good morning to her as well. And the, the staff of parliament and the committee. Um, my first question is on the issue of the ethics and the fraud perception uh, rating. Um, I just want to find out, uh, I think Mr. McClellan tried to explain uh, this, but I just want to check whether, how do they conduct, uh, 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 how do they arrive at these uh, uh, ratings? Is there a form of uh, a survey and, and also how this survey is uh, uh, conducted uh, uh, with the audience uh, in terms of uh, or the, the, the target? Uh, people that uh, uh, they they do these uh, uh, surveys with, if there are any surveys, uh, yeah, I think honourable Oshobe uh, touched on the issue of uh, anti-corruption. Uh, it, it would have been uh, good if there, there would be a, an indicator, a percentage indicator, and the target uh, uh, percentage uh, in terms of uh, also the outcomes. Uh, around the issue of uh, fraud and corruption. Um, I'm, I'm just concerned here with regard to the <coughs> issue of uh, the, the SMSs, uh, particularly people with disability. Uh, I think the department is uh, behind in terms of, uh, if you compare it uh, with other departments, um, most departments are around uh, 3%. Uh, but uh, the department is at 2% and is still projecting 2% uh, for the three-year period, uh, which is a concern. Uh, 
uh, even with the women, for example, I uh, see the I had the uh, Mr. Marshall trying to say we're pushing to fifty percent, but we're talking about what is in in front of us. Uh, what is in front of us is forty percent, and uh, also the uh, the department is behind. If you compare it with uh, uh, with other uh, uh, departments uh, that are at fifty. And, and also above uh, uh, 50. Uh, there, there, are, there are normal uh, uh, indicators uh, uh, that you'll find in, in, in other departments and entities as well, Karen. Uh, the, the one I'm interested in is this one of a, a, a target to ensure that eligible creditors uh, are paid or payment is made uh, within 30 days. Uh, I, th- I think it's a crucial uh, uh, issue to, uh, uh, that should be should form part of the plans of a, a, a department. Because the people out there, they are, uh, they are crying that um, uh, some of them uh, lost businesses because government departments are not paying them on time. And, and also, this is also part of corruption, where people, even though they've uh, fairly got uh, the business, uh, but again, now they must bribe uh, for them to be paid what is due to them. So it is therefore crucial that uh, uh, this should uh, form part of uh, the plans of a uh, 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 department and that they should be reporting on these particular issues to whether the department is and also its entities are meeting uh, this particular uh, 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 target uh, of a pay of payment within the 30-day period. Uh, as I'm saying, it's very, very, very crucial. But also with regard to the vacancy rate, I see um, again, the department is behind if you compare with other departments. Most departments are at, uh, at uh, 10%. Uh, but the department continues uh, to be above uh, 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 the, the 10%. I just wanted uh, a clarity on the issue of the percentage financial performance. Uh, you say in quarter one, it's 27. You're already projecting that uh, you'd be spending 27%, uh, 53.87. Um, my understanding is that uh, each quarter will have its own uh, allocation. And are you saying out of that allocation, uh, you'll only spend 27% for the for uh, quarter one? Uh, so if quarter one is uh, allocated 100 uh, uh, rent, uh, you'll only uh, uh, spend uh, 27 rent. Is that what we say? Or is this uh, 27%, uh, 27% of the total? A, a budget uh, of the department, uh, but also informed uh, uh, by uh, non non financial performance uh, targets. Uh, if you can just clarify that. Uh, also on the un- unutilized uh, vacant uh, state uh, properties, um, especially around the issue of uh, uh, gender based violence and uh, femicide. Um, I see that you will only be doing that uh, in the second quarter. What if there is a need uh, before the second quarter? Um, I know that uh, 
uh, Mr. Mashang said something about uh, some of uh, the work that will be that is not indicated in the quarter, but in terms of their operational plans and uh, the milestone, uh, they would be able to report on those. So, but I don't want to take it for granted. I would like to specific uh, uh, answer on this one. Um, just an issue of observation uh, in, in the villages where we, we reside, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, a maintenance uh, contract, uh, particularly the, the ones that uh, deal with the uh, lawn cutting or grass cutting, uh, you find that uh, wouldn't it be cheaper for the department to rather pave uh, these uh, villages? Because most of them, you, you, it's not a proper soil, you've got a, a sand, um, and then when they try, sometimes because they've got a contract uh, or a tender, uh, these uh, service providers with the department, uh, they just come even if there is no grass, uh, so that they can then uh, send their invoices after that. And what they do in that, they just cut uh, a little that is there together with this scent uh, that is. Uh, uh, causing a dust uh, inside the the, 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 the the houses that uh, we occupy. So my question, would it be better or also saving the cost in future for, for, for the department if uh, these uh, 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 houses or the villages could be just uh, uh, be paved uh, instead of having this contract uh, uh, to cut grass that is not even there? Uh, yeah. Um, on the Wellesley's program, I, I want to check what is the role of Sanral uh, with regard to these bridges. Is there any role uh, that uh, uh, they are playing uh, uh, at all? Uh, I think honourable uh, um, members uh, have touched on the issue of the floods and or whether they will be revised uh, APP or, or, or budget, uh, but also perhaps the updated uh, on on parliament uh, building. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I had, I don't know if I had properly that Chair uh, was saying, I must say, Chair, this part. If that is the case, can I, I hand over uh, to the acting DG for responses and the team? Yes, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. I think uh, going back uh, to Honorable Dango, ask the first questions during the course of the presentation. So I'll answer those questions and then I'll end to Mr. Maslangu and then my colleagues uh, who are with us in the meeting will also add to the remaining questions. Chairperson, I just want to make reflection of the self-insurance. Honorable Dango made the reflection of the policy with respect to insurance. He also spoke about uh, insurance of those buildings we rent to the private sector. And I just want to confirm, um, as we've done before, and that with the, the, the Treasury regulations, they make reference to self-insurance. So government is required to take its own risk uh, with respect to uh, damages to buildings. The only exception provided in the regulations is immovable assets. The departments are allowed to insure movable assets, but only up to a certain level per department each year. 
But in the case of Parliament, we were not uh, allowed to insure that particular building, nor any of our other buildings, given the provisions of the Treasury regulations as regards immovable property. What I want to say, Chairperson, is that we have had tentative discussions with National Treasury about ensuring perhaps part of our portfolio, maybe the national key points, buildings such as the Union buildings, such as the Parliament and other critical infrastructure, that those that are designated as critical, that we should consider some kind of uh, limited insurance. We've also had discussions with uh, Cesarea uh, recently, uh, although these are very tentative, but they all look at uh, making a contribution to the conversation about self-insurance, about whether we could uh, reach some kind of understanding on alternative that mitigates some of the risk, but takes into account the huge cost of insurance should we insure you know, uh, all of our portfolio and our assets. So that's uh, the response with respect to that issue of insurance. Moving on to the matter of the, of the fire, the Honorable Chairperson uh, made reference to the uh, work on the fire at Parliament and what the plans are. What I'd like to mention is that the department has completed phase one of the assessment uh, in regard to the fire at Parliament. And that phase one is an initial assessment uh, that is required to point out the general overview of the structural damage in Parliament and to identify and to determine the safety of the old as well as the National Assembly to enable the Hawks to enter the building and to conduct forensic investigations. That particular assessment has been completed and the Speaker of Parliament was briefed uh, as well as the Joint Standing Committee on the Financial Management of Parliament uh, was also briefed. And uh, last week, a week before last and Wednesday, the Cabinet was also briefed on the outcome of phase one of the, uh, uh, the assessment that was conducted by the Department with the assistance of experts in a KUHA uh, Development Corporation, the Structural Engineers. And uh, the outcome has been that the, the old assembly uh, is very much uh, in a position to uh, be revived through a refurbishment project, and it's mainly the top floor that is damaged. And the National Assembly has got significant damage to the central infrastructure from floors two to six, that the center of the National Assembly is significantly damaged. And that leads to phase two, which has already commenced, that the Hawks have completed their forensic investigation, and that was necessary before phase two commenced. And phase two has now commenced, and KUHA Development Corporation are using independent structural engineers to determine the extent of the damage, to provide a detailed assessment and options to the department, which will provide information and direction as to the costs of refurbishment and repair of the two buildings, as well as whether it is necessary to demolish parts of all of the buildings uh, and uh, inform us from an engineering point of view what the possibilities and the options are, and to provide a costing in this regard. That work is expected to be completed in the 2nd of May, uh, Chairperson, and then we'll receive further information. And what I have shared is also uh, public knowledge, given the fact that it was tabled to the Joint Standing Committee on Financial Management. And moving on from there, Chairperson, with respect to the uh, flood damage in Kwazulu uh, Natal, uh, given that uh, the Minister the Deputy Minister and the Senior Management of the Department are currently uh, seized with uh, an inspection of the damages on site. We, we don't have any 
uh, accurate information uh, on the impact and whether it would be necessary to reprioritize the budget of the department. But quite clearly, the department will play a significant role in the response plans and any information arising from the assessment would then factor itself into our plans for the year under review and have a possible uh, and probable impact on our budget. But one is not in a position to share accurate information at this point in time. With respect to the Commonwealth War Graves Commission, as Chairperson, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission is an interesting phenomenon that the Commonwealth the War Graves Commission is a is a is a uh, um, an alliance, if one could call it, of uh, the UK and former Commonwealth countries and France, which include ourselves, and we contribute to various facilities where we have a role in the Commonwealth War Graves Commission and maintain certain grave sites uh, abroad. Um, as well as uh, other infrastructure which commemorate deaths in the various world wars and South African soldiers have died. One uh, typical example is the Delvalwood Memorial in, uh, in France, uh, in Delvalwood in France. It's quite a significant um, uh, uh, structure and the Commonwealth War Graves Commission together with South African nationals, they maintain that facility which runs into I believe more than 20 hectares and they also manage the museum on the site, which is a very uh, uh, well-known uh, war grave uh, museum in Europe. And uh, we then contribute towards the expenses. Uh, in that regard, we also have war graves in uh, uh, other parts of France, uh, as well as in Egypt, where we contribute towards the maintenance and the upkeep of these facilities. And I want to mention that Delwood is in fact property uh, that belongs to South Africa and belongs to public works. So this is where this contribution for the Commonwealth War Graves Commission goes. And we have conducted a study of uh, the expenses that go towards the War Graves Commission. And uh, the one finds that uh, the um, centralized maintenance uh, intervention provided by the War Graves Commission is an economical way for us to maintain our facilities abroad. And going forward from there, Chairperson, the Honorable Boshoff also asked questions about the timeline uh, to reach normality in Parliament. And what I would like to say is that we established three work streams in response to the fire in Parliament. The one was the infrastructure work stream, whose work I've just spoken about in partnership with the Kuka Development Corporation. The second work stream is a work stream that was established to look at all the facilities in Parliament and all the buildings to establish that, uh, that from a fire prevention, detection and response point of view, that uh, the um, uh, necessary measures were in place and their report is soon due for, for, for presentation. And the third work stream we established was the business continuity work stream, where we are on a continuous basis assisting Parliament to identify alternative accommodation in order to compensate for the loss of uh, you know, the infrastructure as a result of the fire. There is um, a uh, long-term a plan for Parliament as well, but I'm not in a position to discuss this, uh, given that it's a parliamentary initiative, that they are looking beyond the immediate um, interventions that we've put in place to take care of immediate needs. And they're looking at the medium and the long term, given that it is uh, likely to uh, for them to uh, wait for a significant amount of time before we deal with the issue of the damages in the National Assembly and the Old Assembly. And I'll ask one of my colleagues, uh, Mr. Sazona, to speak about the work of the work stream. 
that talks to business continuity and what we have currently put in place. Then, Chair, this uh, last two questions I'd answered before the colleagues come in is the anti-corruption questions and the hotline. The anti-corruption hotline is administered independently by the Public Service Commission. So what transpires, uh, Honourable Member, uh, is that the uh, whistleblowers engage the Public Service Commission directly, and the whistleblower then receives uh, anonymity and communicates with the department through the Public Service Commission. The Public Service Commission provides a transcription of a conversation with the whistleblower to the department, and we require to conduct that investigation and to then inform the Public Service Commission of progress in that regard. At no stage are we engaging the whistleblower directly, uh, and the whistleblower therefore has this uh, uh, plausible deniability due to this uh, uh, separation of communication between ourselves and the whistleblower, the PSC being at the center of it. With respect to internal investigations, we have an anti-corruption unit um, established uh, about a decade ago. The anti-corruption unit investigates allegations of fraud and corruption uh, emanating from the whistleblower hotline, as well as referrals made by the minister or made by uh, uh, senior management where there are elements of fraud and corruption and serious maladministration. And there's been a lot of success uh, in this regard, honorable chairperson, and honorable members, that over the last five years, there's been something like uh, 250 investigations and multiple referrals to the police, multiple disciplinary outcomes, as well as civil recovery uh, as a result of these investigations. But I don't have the statistics. Uh, and I we able to provide it in writing to the committee uh, within a, a week. Uh, Chairperson. Moving on from there, Chair, to the whether CISWARE program and whether SANREL is playing a role. The Honorable Hai put the question. This is a partnership between the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure and the South African Defense Force engineers. The engineers are responsible for constructing the, these bridges. Uh, they are modular structures manufactured locally. Public works plays a role of in implementing agent. We provide the oversight together with the nine provincial departments, especially those uh, that have uh, challenges with respect to water in rural areas. And the Defense Department of Defense then con uh, provides the construction expertise. So no, it does not involve Central. It is exclusively between DPW, the South African Defense Force, and the responsible Department of Transport at the provincial level. Chair, I'd like to end to Mr. Maslangu, um, and then the colleagues can come in with respect to the um, the other questions around uh, the land release program and the maintenance. I just want to add, perhaps, share uh, with respect to fraud and corruption uh, on that point. I just want to mention that we are one of the first departments out of the starting blocks that we're conducting lifestyle audits on more than 50 members of the SMS in partnership with the SIU. And a lot of lessons are being learned out of this uh, particular program. And uh, we're happy to also share the outcome of our lifestyle audit project with the committee. Once it's completed, we hope that it will be completed before the end of June. Thank you, Chair. Let me end to Mr. Maslangu. Uh, Luaze. Yes, um, thank you, uh, DDG. Uh, I think um, there was a question around fraud ethics uh, and also the interlink or the interplay between uh, <coughs> the APP and um, the operational plan. Yes, in terms of fraud and ethics, what we do, we conduct a survey. Um, so this is administered through surveys. Um, 
and we ask questions. We're trying to make them anonymous so that we can get maximum uh, feedback from the service. Uh, that was also administered through um, our departmental system, uh, where internally we work with the ICT to ensure that we get the maximum um, response from from um, from officials and, and keeping them uh, as well anonymous um, as a, as a way of protection, uh, protecting as and at the same time to increase the the response the responses uh, to the suppliers, those that are willing and also. Um, who will volunteer to provide, but also keep uh, also their, um, uh, their details or confidential without. So that is administered through surveys. Now, there are two things, uh, like I mentioned earlier on, is that the surveys, uh, and, and that also speaks to the targeting. Why do we have this kind of targeting, 40 to 60%? We've done this in the past, and we've seen that in the past we had a poor response rate in relation. Now, the percentage is not about the actual the actual corruption itself it's basically the percentage is about the response rate in relation to how we are perceived um, in terms of corruption uh, and and in, in terms of the survey itself the idea is that uh, the, 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 the the number the, the bigger the number in terms of the responses that we get it will help us also to be able to stratify the information into various categories within the system of the department on which focus areas or areas we should focus on in relation to where we are perceived to be high risk in relation to fraud. And, and, and I think that's the, that's the idea, that the, the bigger the number, the better would be our... our right. so, so it speaks to that. Now, in terms of the, the, the breakdown, um, the question that relates to... Um, um, uh, whether work would be done or not, or what happens if something happens. Now, in, in the, the, the government system of reporting, this is a dual reporting, I would just like to put it this way. Because we are presenting an APP of the new financial year, the programs do not start every financial year. They continue even from the previous financial year. Now, what we do is the split in terms of we are presenting for the new financial year with the new money, that is for the financial year. But from a reporting point of view, there will be a dual reporting, right? So for, for instance, if I make one example, in quarter one, if we come and let's say we're presenting on vacancy rate as an example, we are able to say, as we had presented on the plan for 22-23, in relation to the targets of 22-23, we have not appointed a single person because we have done the following. When the adverts are out, we have comp compiled, the, we have put it together, the, uh, uh, the panels, and therefore now this is the plan in terms of interviews, et cetera, et cetera. Until such time that in a particular quarter, we then stay. After that process, we have now employed two. But there will be two things that will be reporting. One, it will be the activities related to the 22-23, but at the same time, we will also be able to report on the numbers from the previous financial year if they were appointed during the quarter one based on the old money, that is the previous financial year money. So there will be two things that will be, so when we report, we'll be doing that. So there'll be that dual reporting so that it shows that there's a continuous, uh, there's a there's continuity in terms of government programs. So that will be the interplay between the AOP annual operational plans and the uh, um, uh, um, uh, APP. 
And I think with the reason why we also opted for that approach is so that we can also give more information uh, to um, to honourable members for them to be able to uh, have information at their disposal and be able to also play an oversight to see where are the gaps within the organisation. I think that's the approach. I think the other questions from fraud and corruption, the DDG has explained. Thank you, John. Yes, if I can ask a uh, chairperson with your permission that we have uh, with us as well um, some of our PMTE senior officials, Ms. Makubele with real estate management, she'll deal with the letting out of properties. And we also have Ms. Suban who will answer some of the other questions that were raised with regard to the PMTE if they could come in. And Mr. Sazona will deal with the issue of the current uh, project regarding business continuity in Parliament. Uh, thank you, Chair, with your permission. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Faisal. Um, good morning, Chairperson, and good morning, Honourable Members. Um, the question that I've picked up um, is on the GBV properties that, um, in terms of where these properties are, I can confirm, uh, Honourable Members, that um, the, pro the original number of properties that were identified were, in fact, 83 that were all over the, uh, the country in our 11, uh, spread across our 11 regional offices. And we inspected 81 of those properties uh, because uh, some of the properties, obviously, we found that they were actually occupied. And in the inspection, through the inspection, that is where the 30 properties were found to be suitable for use by, by the Department of Social uh, Development in the various um, provinces. So we are busy with, um, with, with the maintenance or upgrade or refurbishment of those various properties. I know uh, in Cape Town, we had selected six properties. Those have been, uh, have been upgraded. And I think also in Pretoria, we had selected two properties and those, that those already also have been uh, upgraded. And we're just busy with the, with the administration that goes with those so that we can hand them over to, 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 to the Department of Social Development. We have uh, uh, areas where we're still busy with the memorandum of understanding or of agreements. And uh, some we're waiting for finalization of the lease agreements with the DSD. And um, we, we're also busy with finalizing of the user charges so that we can, we, we, we can finalize the lease agreements. So that is where the 30 uh, uh, number of properties are. If perhaps um, I, can, I can give the, the number per, per regional office that make up the 30. Uh, in Bloemfontein, we have selected two. In Cape Town, we have six. In Durban, we have two. Johannesburg two, Kimberley two, Mabatu three. In Mtata, we do not have a property as the property that was selected. It was found to be in very bad condition. So we're looking for another property to substitute that. In, uh, in, um, in Mtata, we have nine. In Polokwan and Port Elizabeth, also we don't have properties there. Those that they were found were occupied or had uh, were in, in very bad condition. And in Pretoria, we finalized uh, four. That was make up the 30 uh, total number. Uh, uh, colleagues, um, I'm not sure if I missed any other question. If my colleagues can help me. Thank you very much, Chairperson. So I said we can deal with the land release and then Zandile can follow. Harold can deal with a 30-day project in the department and then so Stanby can talk about the vacancy rate 
And I think we will have reached the end of the questions. Sasa. Thank you very much. Um, good morning to Honorable Chair, Honorable Members. Um, the question came through from Honorable uh, S. Boshoff in terms of uh, social and economic um, uh, disposals for land. Um, so basically, the land reform program constitutes um, three areas. Uh, it's restitution. Uh, restitution is mainly for um, qualifying beneficiaries. Uh, that's come through from the Department of Agriculture, Rural Development and Land Reform, uh, where the land is under our custodianship and we release directly through to Department of Agriculture, Rural Development and Land Reform, um, who has a process that they undertake via Section 42D signed by their minister. And we release that land accordingly on approval of our Minister to Rural Development. Then we have uh, redistribution. In terms of redistribution, it's mainly agricultural land identified um, uh, in, in suitable uh, agricultural arid areas by rural development. Supporting that process as well is land that we identify as um, Department of Public Works that can also support that particular program of redistribution. Um, and that also supports uh, economic stimulus in, in the farming um, area, especially as well as in the distribution areas. Then we have uh, land that we release for human settlements purposes. And, and, and um, we do that through to the HDA, um, where they have a program where they identify uh, areas where uh, development of human settlements will transpire. And we support the program by releasing land based on a criteria uh, that has been developed. In other words, that um, the land that has been identified must be aligned to the IDPs, the DDM model, and more uh, especially the National Spatial Development Framework. And then we work with the Department of Human Settlements to identify suitable land as well in our movable asset register to, to release for this particular uh, purpose. Then we have economic disposals where we release land to entities such as Sandral, Eskom, Sassel, um, as well as to municipalities for, for various servitudes, also to the Department of Mineral and Energy where mining rights have been obtained on certain land. Uh, for, for mining, and this also supports economic development as well. Thank you, Chair. I'll pause there. Can I ask the, the speakers to open their videos, please? It's only when you make presentation uh, that uh, you may not uh, open your videos, but uh, when you respond to answers, uh, please uh, open your videos. Uh, thank you, Mr. Fayon. Chair, uh, my video is not working. My apology for that. If I may respond on the matter of the um, uh, business continuity program uh, work stream that we have with Parliament, what we started off, uh, Chair, was to ensure that there is a continuity of the State of the Nation addressed. Parliament has identified the City Council, uh, the City uh, uh, City Hall as the venue for, for SONA, and we're able to assist to put the necessary infrastructure, which we normally do for all SONAs.
including the security measures around the venue. Are you still there, Mr. Mzwandile? Uh, Acting DG, if you can take over. Uh, Or is there a problem on my side? Yes, thank you, Chairperson. Okay. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, Chairperson, um, the SONA is what he made reference to, but there's also office accommodation in Parliament. The uh, department has made uh, accommodation available to the uh, parliamentarians who occupied space in the National Assembly, mainly at the NCOP building, as well as uh, Marx building, together with uh, 90 Plain Street. We've also provided accommodation across the road in 100 Plain Street, where the DGs are accommodated. Those are all temporary solutions. So uh, Parliament is looking at the outcome of phase two of the assessment being conducted by the department to establish how long this will take. And I know they have a program in place where they are proposing a modular structure to uh, provide a temporary uh, assembly to allow the presence of parliament to continue, but they have those details and uh, it's a program that they will drive. And I think I'd rather defer to parliament to explain that medium term program. So chair that deals with the issue of the temporary accommodation. And then we have 30 days. I would like Mr. Mazibuko to talk to 30-day payments. We have a very uh, uh, stringent program in place to ensure that we make payments on time and within 30 days. And then Ms. Schlachwayo is the head of human resources in the department. She'll talk to the targets with respect to the vacancy rate. So Aaron and Tembi, if you could please come in. Okay. Okay, um, good, thank- good afternoon, colleagues. Um, Good afternoon, colleagues. Good afternoon. Oh, okay. Uh, Chairperson. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Good afternoon, Chairperson and honorable members and colleagues. I'll respond on the employment equity targets that we have as a department and also the vacancy rate. It's a fact as a department, we've got a target of 50% for people, for women at SMS level. We're at 40.2%, meaning that uh, we still need to do more to ensure that we reach the the 50%. Chairperson, we're struggling as a department to meet the the, um, the EE targets, both for women and also for people with disabilities. And the minister has since return back appointment submissions where males were recommended to say, I need you as a department to ensure that you recognize women and ensure that we feel uh, we we meet the targets. Then as a department with the guidance of the DG, of the 18 DG, we then identified positions in the department, vacant positions in the department to reinforce them for women. We've advertised those positions and um, we're in the process of filling these positions. I hope in the first quarter, we can be able to provide a progress in relation to that. The, 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 the status or the, the picture will be totally different uh, because as a department together with the minister, we are ensuring that uh, we meet the targets. Uh, also with people with disabilities, we're at 1.1%. The target is 2%. 
We've already done that. Also, the reinforcing of those positions so that we can be able to meet the two percent target. Um, when it comes to vacancy rate, this is a very, very, very um, tricky one. I will start by highlighting the the the, the challenge where, before I go to the the the. the the plan that we have. I will make an example of us when we advertise, let's say 20, 20 positions in the department. Out of the 20 positions in the department, we find that maybe 15 of those positions are filled by people, it's a promotion, people who are already in the, in the system. Only the five will be people coming from outside. Out of all the hard work, when you report, it will be seen as if you only filled five positions because the 15 positions that we filled is internal promotion. So there's no change in terms of the vacancy rate. So I think the way we report, we also need to indicate to say, we advertise so many positions, fill so many positions, but out of the positions that were filled, internal promotion was decided because the, the changes in terms of the vacancy rate is very, very minimal. But while we are doing a lot as a department, uh, from February 24th, February 2022, as a department, we've advertised 360 positions. Out of the 360 positions, is 46 of those positions are SMS positions. And we are, a, we are in a process of filling these positions. And 65 of the vacant positions are, um, are, are now in the process of being job evaluated so that we can be able to advertise this position. We've got, we've got a target internally in the department who the ESCO and the minister, they, are, they want to ensure that we, we advertise all positions and we are filling them, uh, especially those that are funded. It's a, it's, it's a challenge that as, a, as HR we are up to and we know that we can achieve it, especially working together with all the stakeholders that are um, are relevant. There are few few challenges that will affect our plan chairperson moving forward. The first one is the delay in receiving feedback on the fingerprints and criminal records. It is a requirement as a department that before a person is appointed, the fingerprints, the criminal record should be cleared before the person is appointed. It takes forever. As you know, it's done outside the department. We rely on SAPS. And all the departments are relying on SAPS. We will understand the backlog that is there. But we are trying our level best to ensure that we, 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 we get that kind, of a, what, that kind of a response. And the other issue is the expiry of the contract, which is called MIE, the verification of qualifications. All qualifications need to be verified. There is a contract that is outside the department but is being affected by the constitutional court judgment in relation to the preferential procurement. So at the present moment, we don't have any contract. We can't verify qualifications. So it's another setback that we have. The sooner it's, um, that issue is resolved, the better, because it will also assist us so that we can fast track the problem. The problem. As I indicated, Chairperson will provide a report on quarterly basis in terms of the improvement in filling of vacancies. And we have since uh, requested more capacity in the HR environment so that we can be able to have more hands in handling the, 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 the issue of filling of vacancies. 
I hope in the first quarter we can be able to provide a better picture after all the other challenges have been sorted out. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Slatwa. Yes. Uh, I think, did you, any other? Yeah, we have uh, Arun Mazibuka. We'll talk about the 30 days. That's the last question. Okay. Uh, and thank you, Chairperson. And good afternoon again. Good afternoon. Chairperson, um, for 30 days, there is a huge improvement um, in the department when compared to the historical uh, trend. Now, we have the system in the department that is called Rapata. Now, this system is mainly designed to track the invoices when they are being received up until they are being paid. Now, we are using that system. So on a daily basis, there are reports that we are getting for payments that are uh, or the invoice that have not been processed for more than 30 days, 25 days, and 15 days so that you can be able to follow up. So what we do um, when the payments now, they are about to reach 25 days, we start communicating to the branches. So if the payment or the invoices are not valid, they will have to be removed. If there is an issue with the uh, service provider, then they will have to update the system to indicate what is happening. Now, from finance, what we do, it will be that responsibility of engaging with the units that have the invoices that are outstanding on the system for more than 20 days. Now, on a weekly basis, uh, we have the meeting with the regional offices. The meeting is taking place between 9 and uh, 11 every Friday, where the, 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 the regional office and including head office, they will be reporting what is happening, what are they doing, and if there are any challenges so that the system can also be updated. Now, if there is a non-compliance uh, where the unit did not respond, where they were being reminded, we will request the unit to provide the reasons in writing. If from our analysis, we find that the reasons are not valid, we'll refer the matter to labor relations so that the consequent uh, management can take place uh, 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 with those units that are not uh, complying. If I can report for DPW, as at the 31st of March, we have achieved 97%. So we still have that 3% that we need to improve on. Under the PMTE, I'm not sure of the exact uh, percentage, but the last percentage that I've seen cumulatively, it was above 90%. Now for DPW, uh, most of the payments, they are centralized, so it's easy to manage them. Now, for the regional offices, I mean, for PMTE, it includes the invoices in the regional offices. But since the implementation of the system, the Friday meetings, there is a huge improvement with regard to the 30 days payment. Thank you, Chairperson. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, yeah. I think that was the last question. I see Honorable... Oh. Yes, no, Chair. I think that is outside is the last question, uh, Chairperson. Uh, I, I just wanted to, I see the Deputy Minister is back uh, as well. I just wanted to put it on the record, Chairperson. I'm no longer acting DG since last week, but I see the Deputy Minister is on the line now, so I'll head back to her if uh, we are done, Chairperson. I think we've concluded our questions and answer. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think there's a follow-up question uh, from <laughs> And uh, if perhaps uh, other members uh, would like to also make uh, follow-up questions, 
uh, they are free to do so. So we are not done yet. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, with regard to the employment equity targets, um, Ms. Schlatzweyer said that they were going to ring fence positions within the department. Can we just find out which positions are these? Are they more senior, junior, lower skilled? What positions will be ring fenced? And then with regard to the PWDs, I'd just like to know whether their officers, should they then reach their target of 2%, whether all their officers are conducive for people with disabilities, let's say, for instance, like physical disabilities, and then um, the fingerprinting and all the things that you spoke of with regard to the problem that lies with SAPS, has any discussion taken place with SAPS to see how they can um, remedy the problem um, and fast track it? And then if we may, Chair, just ask, all staff members should have a proper background. It doesn't look back if we are on national TV and we see clothes lying around, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, maybe, I don't know, now Mr. Tavis is no longer the teacher. So <laughs> I take it that uh, the DM has noted that. Honorable um, Day Tango. Chairperson, yes, just a brief question. After the mess that NATO created in Libya, the graves in Tobruk, are they being look, looked after? Because there was a vast, uh, uh, the graveyard in Tobruk, where many South African soldiers were buried. Uh, is that being looked after after the mess that NATO made in Libya? Okay. I don't know if uh, the department is still uh, responsible for uh, assets outside South Africa. My understanding is that these were referred to the International Relations Department, but uh, there will be a response with regard to that. Uh, any other follow-up questions? Okay. Can we have response? Uh, and then uh, we'll invite uh, the Deputy Minister to, to make uh, closing remarks. Yeah, okay. thank you. Uh, Oh, okay. okay. I think you, you need to come in first and then I'll answer the question on the graveyard. Okay. I'm 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 responding on the on the questions raised by Honorable Boshoff. For the positions that were reinvested for for EE target women, it's only at SMS level because that's where we are leaking. In the, the from level 12 down, we are well represented but this is only at SMS level. Then for people with disabilities in the entire department, it's not only on SMS level, but we reinvest it in the entire department, meaning all levels within this, this department. For the fingerprinting, it's a, it's a very, very uh, difficult issue, but our security unit within the department is liaising with the relevant department to see how they can assist us. So we'll, we'll wait for them to provide feedback in that, in that regard. But there are discussions between the department and SAPS. Thank you. 
I'm sure the, the follow-up question will be, has it been escalated at the ministerial level? So that also those discussions are at that level. I, I, I cannot confirm that, Chairperson. Uh, I will get information from the Security Chief Directorate whether they, okay. they are discussing with the ministers. Thank you. Okay. I see there's a hand of uh, uh, Clive uh, Machis. Chairperson, my thank you, thank you so much, Honorable Chairperson, and the Honorable Members, and the, the DM, and the colleagues that are there, and also express great appreciation to my colleague, Masai Joy, I think she has responded very well. I just came on board now. I was having another commitment within the department. If you can open your video, please, Mr. Machis. Oh, okay. That will be me, Chairperson. I don't know whether you can see me. Yes, but then the, the is issue of the background, the picture. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's Even the if you for the department, uh, maybe yeah, not, not you can uh, assist with regard uh, as the head of HR. Uh, <laughs> all members. Okay, them, Chairperson. Uh, yeah, thank you, Chairperson. I just wanted to quickly add uh, to what... Uh, Mr. Tlachoy, the Chief Director HRM has just responded to. As she explained earlier, the biggest problem is with regards to the screening that we normally do for verification of qualification. With the SAPS one, we don't have difficulties. That is still open and ongoing, but it is not enough in respect of the public service prescripts to only provide the results from the police, the fingerprinting, where they check your criminal records and so on. That we still do, and our security is able to do. There are no challenges on that score. The bigger challenges relate to, to the screening. The only thing is that it is the, the timeline they've put to, to process. The timeline is normally they say they want two weeks to process, but the security uh, management within the department are able to engage with them and, and try to, to secure them within a shorter period, insofar as the, 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 the criminal records are concerned. Thank you, Chair. Thank you so much, Chair. Uh, we had the last question is on the uh, the graves. Yes. Yeah, thank, thank you, thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. The the the, the question on the, on the grave site in Tobruk in Libya. Yes, I can confirm to the honourable member Dango that uh, the department maintains the facility through the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. And we recently conducted assessments and all is well. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. We went to the Deputy Minister. Thank you so much. Just before that, there was this issue that I raised earlier with regard to the paving. Uh, we may not necessarily respond to it now, but it's perhaps yes. it's a method that you can uh, consider as a department. Yeah, certainly, Mr. Sazora also got cut off while you were speaking. He tells me as load shedding, but certainly we will consider that as an option. And I do appreciate your comment. It's very yeah. difficult to maintain, you know, the facility, and we could look at alternative means of uh, beautifying the place. Thank you yeah. so much. Yes, we will consider. And also, Chair, we've committed to providing the committee with the anti-corruption statistics. We'll provide it in writing by Friday. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Okay. 
uh, must also address this issue of a background uh, when you are on these uh, platforms. Uh, I think I remember at some stage we had a joint uh, meeting with the portfolio committee. There was a gentleman uh, who was lying on the bed, uh, you know, with a bear, you know, upper part of his body. Uh, so I think this thing that was raised by uh, Honorable Boshoff is serious. Uh, uh, this thing of a, a background, uh, maybe it could be a uniform one of a building of a, the department or uh, something like that, uh, uh, Mr. Fraser. I'm sure it's not that. Uh, let, let me hand over now uh, to uh, the Deputy Minister. Welcome, uh, Deputy Minister. We received your apology earlier and uh, when the chair was still around. Uh, is part of uh, oversight uh, of one of the committees. He's also part of his uh, ask me uh, to stand in for, for him. Um, you are welcome, Honorable uh, 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 thank, thank you, uh, Honourable Chairperson, and a good afternoon to the Honourable Members, um, and you, yourself included, uh, the, the delegation from the department, uh, the officials present. Um, Chair, I must uh, first uh, also, uh, in as much as uh, my apology was raised by the Chair and, and the, the department, uh, indicates that um, with the challenges in KZN uh, that have befell us um, and the emergency response that uh, we should give, uh, I had to be uh, in, in KZN over the last two days. And uh, being a, a, a citizen uh, residing in a very rural a province with only one flight from from Devon, I had to be on the flight exactly at 10 and it's the only one. Um, so I, I really want to emphasize uh, my apology, understanding that minister is also attending to the portfolio committee uh, on the matter of uh, uh, the expropriation bill, which the committee uh, the portfolio committee in the National Assembly is attending to. Um, so it is not uh, our absence is not uh, uh, to to undermine the work of the select committee. I know that uh, uh, that usually becomes the cry from 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 other committees. We try and spread ourselves to uh, be represented in all the committees understanding that it is an executive authority's responsibility to account to parliament. Um, Secondly, Chair, I would uh, want to take this opportunity uh, to to also communicate the department's uh, condolences to the people of both the the KZN province as well as the Eastern Cape province. Um, those that have uh, suffered quite enormously um, from uh, the devastating floods that have uh, fallen on them uh, last week. And um, as a department, we had in our response uh, to mobilize our and all our entities 
uh, we were with them yeah, yeah, the, over the last two days uh, in KZN assessing um, and looking at uh, what form of support can we give to both uh, government in the province, uh, but most importantly, to the people um, who matter most in times of this um, nature. Um, and, and therefore, our, um, I, I note, I, I, I had a question about the bridges when I joined the platform. And I do want to indicate that um, we had a plan with the number of uh, uh, bridges that you would have seen on, on the uh, APP. But yesterday, we have had to take the decision um, to to increase the number, um, looking at um, the fact that uh, some of, of the communities are cut off from the main economic uh, activities and um, from uh, their own uh, attempts to, 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 to uh, manage their own livelihoods. And, and therefore, um, there, there are bridges there that we can't wait for um, planning uh, that you would know would take uh, almost a year. Uh, but where there was work done in a particular bridge, as I'm talking to you now, uh, the, the defense um, is, is on site uh, trying to um, do the, the necessary measurements uh, that must uh, unfold, that must allow the work to unfold uh, with immediate effect. Um, there are areas where we can't be discussing uh, about um, interventions, where we just have to intervene. Uh, because where we were yesterday, uh, uh, where the bridge has been washed away, uh, that community have put stones um, and yet uh, that bridge, children, the school is on the other side uh, of, the, of the village and there are children who cross that uh, river on a daily basis. Uh, therefore, that cannot be left to chance. We need to ensure that uh, those children are able to go to school and um, in a safe uh, environment. So there is, there is immediate work that is currently taking place where we can provide that kind of work, but also our professionals who are members of the professional councils that report to public works, we mobilized them with a view to assist COCTA and the municipalities in assessments that must take place uh, because there are municipalities who, especially the rural ones, who do not necessarily have the expertise of assessments um, readily available. And therefore, where um, people have been cut out uh, from the rest of society, uh, where our professionals must go and uh, assist. Uh, in fact, a per report from uh, the Department of um, um, COCTA, 
cooperative governance and uh, traditional affairs. Uh, four of, of the municipalities, they needed such a, a, a some assistance. Zululand, Amachu, Baum, Sinyati, but also Ilembe um, has been hardest hit. Uh, but there was some form of uh, assistance, but they still need uh, more. Besides um, this, the epicenter, which is um, Devon and surroundings, or Etequini, a municipality. Um, I, I thought I needed to just touch on that. Uh, minister is there as we speak. She's trying to finalize uh, decision-making on some of the issues such as land release, which is needed urgently to resettle people. And we are mobilizing even other uh, other. Um, um, entities of, of, of government that do not necessarily fall within uh, public works, but who would be in the space um, of, of um, ensuring that the skills that they have uh, assist communities. That is the geotech uh, uh, engineers who must uh, work with the department to, to evaluate the, the kind of uh, land parcels that we have, uh, their suitability um, to, to, to relocate people to on an urgent basis. So they, they is, there are those uh, discussions taking place between the provincial human settlements, national human settlements and ourselves. Um, we have multidisciplinary um, committees that are on the ground. I thought I needed to just touch on that. And uh, looking at the issues that have been uh, raised, um, I, I note this one that have just been raised. Actually, we don't even need the, the background per se. Uh, that issue of the background should be part of the policy uh, that governs um, a, a video conferencing. Given the fact that now it is part of us, uh, it's, it's part of our modus operandi, and uh, this is how we, we conduct our, our business now, we should have a policy that regulates uh, these meetings and um, our uh, participation therein I therefore take note of, of the issue uh, and, and will ensure that we follow it uh, to, to, to the latter. But also on the area of uh, uh, the G GBV sites, the principle from a cabinet, uh, because now it's not a matter of uh, interdepartmental uh, issue. It's a, it's a cabinet uh, resolution. Uh, the president has directed us to ensure that at least each district in the country has got a facility uh, with respect to the GPV sites. And as we were scouting the, the facilities that uh, our department uh, has throughout the country, 
the kind of report that has been shared with the committee is what has uh, been found. But we are working with uh, with through our MINMEC. We are working with our provinces and um, uh, the local municipalities. Because we, we even though a president has said each district must at least have one facility, if you look at the geospace of our uh, district, and you 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 say um, I'll make a, one example of a, a a district that I'm very familiar with, uh, Sarah Bartman in the Eastern Cape. If you say you will have one facility there and you look at where Kokama is as well as where Bears Not Here is, where would you place this one facility and who would access it? Uh, how would people from Glande uh, access it? So those are other issues that we have to consider uh, as we look for facilities across the country. Um, and therefore, even that one facility per district uh, is, the, is, is, is currently the minimum requirement. Mm-hmm. We have engaged as a department to say we need to sp- spread beyond uh, what we own as a department, involve local government, because also some municipalities have facilities that they do not uh, utilize, which could be uh, transformed into these facilities. So uh, it's a program that our MINMEC is seized with and um, to try and ensure that we spread our wings in this respect as, as wide as uh, um, and as impactful as possible. Um, I know that uh, one question when I was joining was around the issue of uh, the 30-day payment. Uh, it, it is not uh, us blowing our own horn, uh, honorable chairperson and honorable members, but the kind of backlog we found in the department uh, of more than, I think it was 18,000 uh, invoices. Um, over time, uh, in the year 2020, we, we worked quite hard to ensure that we uh, reduced that uh, backlog significantly and we wiped it out last year. We, we, we now deal with uh, current uh, invoices and we try to, to, to impress uh, on the importance of ensuring that uh, uh, invoices do not go beyond uh, the 30-day uh, period. Um, and 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 one could say that we are almost ninety percent, um, if not ninety-five, um, cleared on that one. Um, yeah, I I thought that these are areas that we uh, I could have joined late. Uh, I could contribute to. Uh, thank you, Honourable Chairperson. Our apologies once more. Uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, Honorable uh, Deputy Minister. We really appreciate also the attempts uh, that you've made uh, uh, to ensure that uh, you are part of this meeting. 
And also we thank you for the update with regard to uh, government response uh, on the uh, tragedy and the disaster uh, that has taken place uh, in the two provinces mainly. Yeah, we really thank you very much. Um, on behalf of the chairperson of uh, uh, the committee, Honorable uh, uh, Kenny uh, Moimak, we really thank you very much. And also thank uh, uh, the department, um, uh, the executive, uh, the for the presentation uh, of the annual performance plan and the budget. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your presence and uh, input, and also the responses uh, to the questions uh, that uh, uh, members have uh, uh, asked. Um, uh, just before we, we close, uh, uh, honorable members, uh, just the announcement, there's an invitation that we, uh, letter that we received uh, yesterday uh, after our select committee um, uh, uh, on trade, uh, uh, tourism, small business development, employment and labor. Uh, it's uh, from the Minister of uh, Tourism, uh, uh, Honorable Sisu. Uh, uh, she's inviting the committee to, uh, let me just say, invitation to attend Africa's travel in Dava uh, 2022. Uh, that will take place from the 2nd uh, to the 5th of uh, May. Um, I've asked the committee secretaries to write, to send this letter to all the members uh, of the committee, uh, but also that members should uh, respond if uh, they are available uh, to attend. Uh, uh, if we all attend, uh, we'll be able to also have uh, our committee meetings there uh, physically because uh, uh, also during that week the Department of Tourism will be also presenting uh, uh, its uh, uh, annual performance plan as well as uh, its budget uh, so it will be a physical meeting so it will be appreciated if all the members will be able to 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 make it uh, during that week um, yeah, that, but the uh, members can then uh, uh, indicate uh, to the committee secretaries uh, about their availability. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, on behalf of, again, of uh, the chairperson, I would like to thank uh, everybody for the attendance and uh, also participation uh, in the meeting. Uh, earlier, the chair had uh, indicated that uh, uh, some of the items uh, will be deferred, like uh, the minutes, will be deferred to the next meeting. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, the meeting is adjourned. Uh, goodbye. Thank, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Don't leave the chair. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Belegas. Bye.
Chapaza. Recording stopped.